0: yo what's good amazing people welcome to the fourth episode of le ashma media podcast it's your main man your anchor the music mogul and your host ashma lapara with another fruitful episode of the evolution of the south african music industry i am very humbled by the love we have been receiving from our listeners Words cannot express how much I do appreciate the love and support. I mean I'm receiving love even from abroad. Do stay with us. Don't you go nowhere because you are now tuned in to La Ashma Media Podcast. Shout out to my homeboy Jinto Gambala, the top podcast, and the stay home son for love and reaching out to me all the way up here in Africa. Jinto Gambala, I see you brother. Jinto Gambala is a very good rapper from Pretoria. Just to give you a brief explanation, please make sure that you look him up on all major digital platforms. His music is available on all streaming platforms for streaming and purchasing. Without any waste of time, let us get into it. This is what to expect on today's show. We dive into the first recording of music in South Africa and we learn how it all began. We then proceed to the Bizbox box to continue where we left off from the previous episode. I don't plan to make this a long episode, so without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to it. Like I said on the previous episode, we will be dedicating this episode to the subject of copyright. But before we dive right into it, let us quickly recap what we went over last week. We spoke about practitioners playing what was called Marabi on pianos with accompanied men from pebble-filled cans, often in shabins. Shabins were establishments that illegally served alcohol to black people. By the 1930s, however, Marabi had incorporated new instruments, such as guitars, concertinas, and bangos. And new styles of Marabi had sprung up. These included a Marabi swing fusion called African Jazz and Jive, a generic term for any popular Marabi style of music. Now, Before the war in the 1930s, when Eric Gallo's Brunswick Gramophone House sent several South African musicians to London to record for singer records, Gallo went on to produce music in South Africa beginning in 1933. His company, Gallo Record Company, remains the largest and most successful label in South Africa, having had acclaimed artists such as Solomon Linda. Lady Smith, Black Mambazo, Maria Makeba, Mahalatini and the Hotella Queens, and many more pass through their recording studios. Marabi, which happens to be a keyboard style of play traceable to the 1920s, are mostly made up of jazz with instruments like guitar and bango. Now, to those who have never heard of the Gallo Record Company. It is the largest and oldest independent record label in South Africa. It is based in Johannesburg, South Africa, and it is owned by Tiso Blackstar Group, formerly Johnny Communications, Avusa, and Times Media Group. The current Gallo Record Company is a hybrid of two rival South African record labels between the 1940s and the 1980s the original Gallo Africa from 1926 to 1985, and the GRC. Gramophone Record Company, 1939 to 1985. In 1985, Gallo Africa acquired GRC. As a result, Gallo Africa became known as Gallo GRC. Five years after the acquisition, the company was renamed Gallo Record Company. Eric Gallo set up a one-man business the Brunswick Gramophone House in 1926. The record shop was originally devised to distribute records from the US-based Brunswick Records into South Africa. However, noticing the lack of recording facilities as well as the amount of local talent in the country, Gallo decided to form a recording studio in 1932 and borrowing equipment and a sound engineer from from the then just defunct metropole company in the United Kingdom, Gallo opened the Gallo Recording Studios under the auspices of Gallo Africa using a red rooster as the company's symbol which remains to today. Gallo was South Africa's first recording company and became home to a number of classic recordings including the infamous Mbube. Now. The Mbube was recorded in 1939 by Solomon Linda and his original Evening Birds. A wealth of local artists had recordings released on Gallo's many labels, including Singer, Gallo Tone, Gallo New Sound, USA, and many more. African music, or Black music as it was then known, was produced by Griffith Mutsielua, a local talent scout whom Gallo had recruited to his fault. Throughout the 1950s, Gallo remained successful. Though it was competing against the South African branch of EMI, EMI's African music division led by black talent scout Rupert Popape prospered well into the early 1960s with Marabi and African jazz recordings by the duck CT Sisters and others. Gallo lost sales in its own black music unit led by saxophonist producer Reggie Msoomi and scout Waltan Tlapu. And so, in 1964, the company pushed Bupape to join Gallo. Bupape formed the Mavutela Music Company Division of Gallo Africa, recording famous and local Mpatanga and Jive artists, and was promoted as South Africa's Motown. The acclaimed Mavotella acquainted the Mahotela Queens was perhaps the South African equivalent to Mostown, Motown's trio of stars, The Supremes. Dozens of recordings were issued on labels such as Motela, Goomba, Goomba, CTC, Star Records, FGB, Galaton, USA, and many more. Also, in the 1950s, they started producing the Galaton guitar. Please, this is a lot of information to take in. What we have learned here is that South Africa first established its own first recording facilities in 1932 by Eric Gallo, who is the founder of Gallo Record Company. If you want to know more, please stay tuned and find out on the next episode of Hashma Media Podcast. On the BizBox today, we will go over the subject of copyright. I'm sure you're asking yourself, if you don't know this by now, what are copyrights, right? (laughs) Well copyright is a type of intellectual property that give its owner the exclusive right to make copies of a creative work, usually for a limited time. The creative work may be in a literary, artistic, educational, or musical form. Copyright is intended to protect the original expression of an idea in the form of a creative work, but not the idea itself. A copyright is subject to limitations based on public interest considerations, such as the Fair Use Doctrine in the United States. Some jurisdictions require Fixing copyrighted works in a tangible form. It is often shared among multiple authors, each of whom holds a set of rights to use or license the work, and who are commonly referred to as rights holders. These rights frequently include reproduction, control over derivative works, distribution, public performance, and moral rights, such as attribution, Copyrights can be granted by public law and are in that case considered territorial rights. This means that copyrights granted by the law of a certain state do not extend beyond the territory of that specific jurisdiction. Copyrights of this type vary by country. Many countries, and sometimes a large group of countries, have made agreements with other countries on procedures applicable when works cross- national borders or national rights are inconsistent. Typically, the public law duration of a copyright expires 50 to 100 years after the creator dies. Depending on the jurisdiction, some countries require certain copyright formalities to establishing copyright. Others recognize copyright in any completed work without a formal registration. In general, Many believe that the long copyright duration guarantees the better production protection of works. However, several scholars argue that the longer duration does not improve the author's earnings while impeding cultural creativity and diversity. On the contrast, a shortened copyright duration can increase the earnings of authors from their works and enhance cultural diversity and creativity. It is widely believed that Copyrights are a must to foster cultural diversity and creativity. However, Padus that contrary to prevailing beliefs, imitation and copying do not restrict cultural creativity or diversity, but in fact support them further. This argument has been supported by many examples such as Millet and Van Gogh, Picasso, Manette and Monet etc. The concept of copyright, first developed in England, in recreation to the printing of the scandalous books and pamphlets, the English Parliament passed the licensing of the Press Act 1662, which required all intended publications to be registered with the government-approved stationer's company giving the stationers the right to regulate what material could be printed. The Statue of Anne, enacted in 1710 in England and Scotland, provided the first legislation to protect copyrights, but not author's rights. The Copyright Act of 1814 extended more rights for authors, but did not protect British from reprinting in the US. the BAN International Copyright Convention of 1886 finally provided prof- uh, protection for authors among the countries who signed the agreement. Although the U.S. did not join the Berne Convention until 1989, the U.S. The Constitution grants Congress the right to establish copyright and patent laws. Shortly after the Constitution was passed, Congress enacted the Copyright Act of 1790 modeling it after the Statue of N, While the national law protected authors published works, authority was granted to the states to protect authors published works. So, to conclude the topic of copyright. Copyright laws allow products of creative human activities, such as literary and artistic production, to be preferentially exploited and thus incentivized. So, meaning that whenever you have an art form, whether it's a book or a music form or a recording, you are then acquired to register it. Like I said on the previous episode, you have to affiliate yourself with these copyright organizations so that they can protect your art form. So when you have affiliated yourself with these organizations, they can now then whenever your work is being maybe reproduced somewhere without you knowing, they can then intervene and say, oh, this art form belongs to blah because of his a member of our organization and therefore we require incentive. So that is the whole purpose of a copyright. So that your art form does not get used without you knowing about it or you being paid for your artwork. That is the simplicity of copyright. Thank you very much for tuning in to Le Ashmo Media Podcast. We really do appreciate your time. Please make sure that you do follow us on all social media platforms. You can just simply find us, Le Ashmo Media, and subscribe, follow. You can go to YouTube. It's your boy, Ashmalapara. Thank you again for tuning in. Until we meet again next week, same time, same place. You know how it is. We are on your favorite digital platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcast. You can find us anywhere, man. If you're really looking to know, to find out on tools to equip yourself on becoming the best musician that you can become, an independent musician, do find us. We are here for you. If you have anything to share with us, if you have any questions, please do leave us comments on our social media platform, or you can email us on media at gmail.com. Thank you very much. It's your boy signing out. Till we meet again next week.